Thanks, man. Let's give it up for God right now. Come on. Let's give it up, man. Let's praise Jesus for who he is. This is good stuff. Man, I'm so excited to be here today. I love getting to, to come on the stage and hang out with you guys. I got some amazing news this week. And uh, first of all, before I start there, y'all gonna have to like talk to me today, all right? Like I've got like six shots of espresso in me right now. So like, if y'all hear something you like, say amen, okay? If y'all hear something you don't like, say amen, okay? So I heard some great news this week. It turns out I'm having a second boy. It's super exciting, right? I've got my first boy, but my second, Oliver Trav... Oliver, that's my first one. Here it starts. Arthur Travis, Oliver and Arthur, that's... Why do we choose that? But anyway, Arthur Travis coming at you soon, December 2021. Super excited about that. I mean, I absolutely cannot wait for this dude because I love being a dad. It's so much fun. Like right now I've got Oliver and he is the cutest baby in the world. Like I don't care what you say. Like I've got, it's not just me, everybody's saying it. So if you haven't seen my boy, you gotta go see my boy because he's super cute. And he also makes me never wanna like leave the house ever. Because, like, I keep getting stories from my wife. I'll leave, and later she'll call and be like, man, he cried for, like, 30 minutes after you left. And I'm like, okay, I'm so sorry. I'm coming home right now. Right? But I keep thinking, it's like, man, why can't I be in, like, seven different places at once? Why can't I do it? But that's because we are limited, right? And I've been thinking about this all week because I've been, I've been prepping for the sermon and everything. And um, in, <laughs> I, We are limited by, you know, three dimensions, right? And this is why we like superheroes so much and like superpowers. Like, I'm sure you've all thought about what superpower you would have. Like some people want to fly, some people want to walk through walls. Like imagine never having to use a door again. That'd be so much fun. So, yeah. So, like, we've, we've, we're all super fascinated by superheroes and having superpowers because they break one of the laws of physics or they break the laws of mathematics or chemistry or whatever it is that we are confined to. And we are, are limited to a three-dimensional space, right? I mean, today, I, I just want you to know, we're, we're going to be doing a little bit of math and some, like, physics concepts. I know, I know you hate it, but, like, I love it. I think it's great, so we're going to do it. Um, and you got to sit here and listen. <laughs> so, anyway, in all of this, you know, we are confined to three dimensions, and we are confined to the restraints of time, right? We can't go into the past, can't go into the future yet, hopefully, right? And we, we can't just sit still, right? We just second by second, we keep moving forward. We keep trucking along. And this is what we do. We all have a beginning. We all have an end. And this, this makes sense, and it's completely natural for us. You know, our entire universe is finite, just as we are finite. So this all being natural, like nobody just sits at their desk and is like typing away, be like, man, I wish gravity didn't exist right now, right? That's just me. I'm the weirdo here. But we are all finite in this way. And this is in stark contrast to God, who is infinite or infinite or not finite. And you see, before the universe existed, before the Big Bang or whatever creation story you choose, before all of that, before the heavens and the earth were all created, there was God for an eternity, always there. He is infinitely there. Just think about it. God has already lived for an eternity. Already. That's crazy to us. We don't understand that because we all began somewhere. We were all born. God was never born. He just was. And I got a, got a couple Bible verses for you real quick on this. Um, Colossians 1.17, you don't have to turn there because this is going to be real quick. Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, 
and in him all things hold together. Now this word before in the Greek has probably several meanings, but one of those meanings has a temporal before, which means God was just there before all things. Right? So this is biblical. And this is Paul saying this in, in Colossians, but in Exodus even, we can take God's word for it. So in Exodus, Moses is talking to God, says, God, what do I say to the Israelites if they ask for your name? So he's like, God, what's your name? And God says, I am who I am. I'm like, what a power move. Like, imagine walking up to somebody, hey, man, what's your name? I am who I am. <laughs> All right, dude, you have fun with that. All right. You know, that's, that's what God's saying. But when he's saying, I am who I am, or I am that I am, some translations say, he's saying that he just is. Our version of this is, it is what it is. Right? Why is it that way? It just is. It's always been that way. It's always going to be that way. It just is. God is, well, he is, I am. So he just is. He's always been, and he will always be. He is infinite. And this fact is absolutely necessary for what we're going to be talking about today, how infinite God is. In the last few weeks, Elijah has done a great job talking about uh, who God is at his core. He is triune. Right? He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three very distinct, but all one and the same. Right? He talks about how God is holy and how God is faithful and God is just. And today, we're going to be talking about how God just is. We're going to be talking about how he is infinite. We're going to be talking about the three omni-attributes of God. God is omniscient, God is omnipresent, and God is omnipotent. We're going to be talking about these things coming into today. Before we go there, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139. That's where we're going to be for most of today. I'll throw in some other verses, but that's, that's the meat of it. And before we get into today, as you're turning there, um, we need to kind of set the stage for how God interacts with our world. And again, we'll be doing a little bit of math right here. And it's the easy stuff, I promise. I used to teach geometry, and this lesson was day one of high school geometry. So surely you'll be able to handle this one. Um, before we get into all that, I want to quote A.W. Tozier. And I'm probably going to quote him several times today because like, this dude's the man. But anyway, so A.W. Tozier said this, To admit that there is one who lies beyond us, who exists outside of our categories, who will not be dismissed with a name, who will not appear before the bar of our reason, nor submit to our curious inquiries. To admit this requires a great deal of humility, more than most of us possess. So to save face... Uh, so we save face by thinking God down to our level, or at least down to where we can manage him. And isn't that so true? We, we want to be in a personal relationship with God, and we can be, but one of the things that we do most of the time is make God our size. We, trade him, we, we make him try to fit into our categories or fit into a box to say, God, is, this is my size and my experience is going to shape you. And that's not who God really is. He is a personal God. Don't, don't hear me wrong. God is a personal God, but he is so much more than a personal God. He is an infinite God. And today, my goal is to take this unfathomable God and help us to fathom him at least to the best of our ability to remind us that our God is an infinite, big, amazing, awe-inspiring God. 
is not just personal. So as we get into this, buckle up. We're going to do some geometry real quick. This is the fun stuff. So I want to start with dimensions, all right? And now, like, we live in the third dimension, right? I'm going to start with the zeroth dimension, right? This is my favorite. Euclid, the father of geometry, Euclid of Alexandria. So when you hated geometry in high school, you're like, man, I really want to talk to that guy. He's super dead, so <laughs> wait till the afterlife and you can have a conversation then. But Euclid defined this zeroth dimension, a point, as that which has no length or no breadth. And we say, okay, so basically it doesn't exist, right? And that's what it is. A point doesn't actually exist. It has no size. A point is a location, right? Just like we drop a pin on our phone, that's a point, right? Right here in this little there, that's a point. It's a location right here. It doesn't actually have size. And we know that if we have two points, you can draw a line. That's the first dimension. Euclid defines that as that which has length that can be measured, but no breadth. So its size doesn't actually exist, but we can measure how long it is between two points. Now, if we have two lines, that's two dimensions. We call that a plane, okay? And that's, that has length and breadth, but no width, and that's fun. And then we live in our third dimension, that which has length, breadth, and width, right? We all, I've, I've got plenty of widths. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we've, we've got that. And then there's the fourth dimension, which is time. And the best way to explain time, because we understand all the other ones pretty well, how to understand that is just a book. This is the closest thing we have to a fourth dimension possible, is understanding a story. This book is Mark Twain's Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Great book, if you haven't read it. It's a classic. And the reason it, it kind of images or, or mimics the fourth dimension is because at any given point in time, I can read the beginning of the story, I can read the end of the story. I know all of the parts in the middle of the story at any time I want. So I know the whole story. I can see the whole thing play out right in front of me from beginning to end, and I can know them equally at the same time. Does that make sense? Follow me? That's the fourth dimension. So what I want to talk about, the reason I brought this up is to see how the dimensions interact with one another. You see, as we as third-dimensional beings, right, we have length, width, and breadth, I said that wrong, but that's fine. We have all these things. We can interact with the lower dimensions however we want. If I wanted to create a plane, I can do that. See? Done. Right? I created a plane. If I wanted to create a first-dimensional object, that's super easy. I created a line. However I want to. If I want to create another line, here's another line. Right? However I want to do it, I can do it that way. I am the creator of this world. If I wanted to create a zeroth-dimension object... I'm going to try to draw these a little bit bigger so you guys in the back can see it. I can make as many of these as I want. And not only that, I can know everything about this world. I know all things in this world because I created it. I can name all of these things, right? Jack, John, Jew, Joe, Jimmy, Jackie, whatever, right? I can name all of these things, and I can know the entire history from beginning to end. I can see all things all at the same time. Do you see where I'm going here? This is how God works. God created all things, and we can't, in our third dimension, create new things. We cannot create matter. We cannot destroy matter. The only power that we have here is to manipulate matter. Right? We can build buildings, but the wood was already there. The stone was already there. Right? We can manipulate things. God can create things. Just as I created this world right here, 
God can create us. Now, God is so much bigger and better because these guys don't have brains, right? We do. We have feelings and all this other movie gushy stuff, right? But this is how God works, and he is before all things, and in him, just like I hold this together, he holds all things together. Does this make sense? Follow me? Cool. Cool. Let's jump into the first of our omni-thoughts. And again, I'm going to quote A.W. Tozer because I love what he has to say here. He says this, God perfectly knows himself, and being the source and author of all things, it follows that he knows all that can be known. Just like I know all things that can be known here, God knows all things that can be known. Now, this is where it gets really cool. And this he knows instantly, And with a fullness of perfection that includes every possible item of knowledge concerning everything that exists or could have existed anywhere in the universe at any time in the past or that may exist in the centuries or ages yet to come. And this is absolutely amazing stuff. God knows literally everything. This is the point of being omniscient, all-knowing. Just as God is completely infinite, God knows an infinite number of things. Psalm 147.5 says this, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Now, I want to talk about what it means to have no limit. You guys ever thought about infinity at all? I personally have spent well over 10 years thinking about infinity, really deep diving into it. I got my degree in infinity. It was like is one of those kind of things. I think about it a lot. And to to help you guys kind of understand infinity, I want you to imagine with me for just a second, close your eyes and imagine this. You're standing in an abyss. There's nothing around you. You can make your abyss whatever color you want. It's yours. But you're standing in an abyss all by yourself. And there appears before you a road. A straight road going forever in one direction. And you turn around in your abyss, and the road continues forever in the opposite direction. Now a car appears, and you get in your car, in your abyss, on your road, and you start driving. And your goal is to reach the end of the forever road. Now this car is magical, and it can go as fast as you possibly want. If you're thinking like 200 miles an hour, you're thinking too small. I'm thinking like 100 million miles per second. That's the distance to the sun in one second. I want to go that fast. So you're going as fast as you can in this car all the way down this straight road. And the first thought you have is, oh, I'm going to throw up. This is so fast. But then you get used to it after a couple of trillion miles, right? And you just keep going. You keep going. And you're weeks and months and years into this trip going straight forever as fast as you possibly can. And in your your old gray age, things are starting to become bleak and everything looks exactly the same. You're seeing numbers that you never thought existed. And you realize after years of driving and years of going that you were no closer to infinity than the day you began. This is the infinite wisdom and knowledge of God. We could spend a lifetime knowing and getting to know God and getting to understand the complete fullness of God, and we would be no closer at the end of our life to understanding God than when we began. Now, that is not to say don't try to understand God. That's what we have the Bible for. 
right? The Bible explains and gives us glimpses and slices of who God is so that we can understand him, so that we can have a relationship, right? What's the point of having a God that is all-knowing? What does this mean for us? It means that God knows us. Very well, he knows us. Psalm 139, this is where we turned earlier, says this, verses one through six. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my paths and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you knew it altogether. And then my favorite part, you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. And this should be a huge comfort, especially the part where, where in God's infinite knowledge and wisdom has his hand on us. He knows all things and he's got us right in his hand. And it says, even the hairs on our heads are numbered. God took his time creating you, knitting you together in your mother's womb, every one of you and me. And he took his time getting to know us. And not only does he know us and every thought that we have in our hearts, he sees us like no one else could possibly see us here on earth. This should be a huge comfort. And not only that, but he knows everything that we need in our life. He knows what our lives should look like. He knows the life that would bring us the most joy, the most happiness, the most fulfillment. And that life is the life that lies inside of his will. And we know that from other parts of the Bible. So he knows what's best for us, and we can take comfort and we can trust our all-knowing God and his will because he is a good, good father. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now let's look at our second point, omnipresence. This means that God is always everywhere at all times. And this is... Another one that is just absolutely mind-blowing. Psalm 139, 7 through 10, we're going to continue in this chapter, says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you were there. If I make my bed in Sheol, Sheol is the place of the dead. Hades is our kind of version of it. You are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. In this psalm, we have seen that God is all-knowing, and he is always everywhere, and we see that in his knowledge and in his presence, his hand is with us. He is guiding us. He is comforting us, and this is good stuff. And the best way that I can explain how to understand this is to take an illustration from Elijah, uh, a few weeks ago when he was talking about the Trinity, he, he walked up behind a piano over here. Uh, maybe some of you guys remember that. And he totally like quick flexed on us, but with some Chopin that he pulled out. And it wasn't one of those like, oh, flex. It was more like a wink and how you doing kind of flex. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that's, that's how it went. So he, he pulled out this, this chord, the C chord, the C major chord. It had three notes, one chord, just like, well, just like the Trinity, right? Three distinct notes, one chord. Now, I want to take this illustration a step further 
and explain how this might help us understand the presence of God. You see, as a chord rings out and we can hear it, it fills up all of the empty space in the room, right? It is as close to us as our skin. It reverberates in our ears. If it is loud enough, we can feel it in our chest. If it is quiet enough, it's no more than a whisper. And this kind of mimics the presence of God. He is always filling every space as close to us as possible. He is above and below, in front and behind. He is no no further nor near than any of us. Okay, I need to restate that. He is no further from us than he is anybody else, and he's no nearer to us than anybody else. He is equally filling all space at all times. And Jeremiah 23, uh, verses 23 and 24 says this, Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in, in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth? And he does. He fills heaven and earth all equally. And this is the problem with that illustration is that our sound, our cord would be confined to this room. God is not confined to this room, to this building, to this city. God is not confined to this earth, right? He fills up all of heaven and earth. And this is God's present, his infinite presence. Once again, A.W. Tozer says, we need never shout across the spaces to an absent God. He is nearer than our own soul, closer than our most secret thoughts. And what does this mean for us? This makes God a personal God, right? Just like I said earlier, we try to make God personal by making him our size. When that's, that's not the way to look at it, God is personal because he is infinitely large and he is infinitely here with us. And he knows all of our hearts. He knows of our, all of our struggles and our pains. And he's right here enveloping us in his presence at all times. Even if we don't feel him, we know through the Bible that he is here with us. He controls the volume knob of the chord playing. He can make his presence known or make it unknown for whatever reason he chooses. And he's always right here wrapping us up in a big old daddy hug. That's amazing stuff. Our God is a good God. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. Let's move on to our third point. God is omnipotent. He has unlimited power. So quick recap. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He is always everywhere. And God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He has unlimited power. Now, Psalms 139, back to this, verses 13 through 16, says this. For you have formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. And here we see the creative power of God. And as I was thinking about this this week, 
in the Bible, most or if not all of the power in the Bible stems from God's creative and sustaining power. So all of the power in this world that God has comes from his creative power. And this is what we see right here. He knitted every one of us together. All of the power of life and death comes from his creative power. Just like I can create my world over here, I can do whatever I want with it, no matter what. If God wants to break the laws of physics, he could do that right now. If God wants to change the existence of humanity, he could do it right now. But one thing that God will never do is anything outside of his nature. Now, it would be terrifying to know that there is a God that exists that is all-knowing, is always watching you, and has all of the power of life and death in his hands if he weren't loving and merciful and gracious and kind and faithful and holy. It would be terrifying, but God will never do anything outside of his nature But inside of his nature, there is nothing that he cannot do. Somebody say amen to that. Colossians 1, 15 through 18 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. This is where we see part of the the Trinity here. The Son and God, two distinct people, one person. That's complicated, but it is. Um, The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. And get this, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. God is the supreme. And it doesn't matter what it is, if it is in heaven and on earth, it doesn't matter if it is visible or invisible, there is nothing in this world that doesn't answer to God. All thrones and rulers and powers and authorities all answer to God. We all answer to God eventually. The earth itself answers to God. See, in Christ, God created all things. And we see the power of God right here in the Bible, all the way through the Bible. One of the first places, or one of my favorite places that we see the power of God is in Job. Job chapter 26, verses 7 through 14 says this. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He wraps up all the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of heaven quake aghast at his rebuke. And these are but the outer fringes of his works. (laughs) Wow. That is some awesome stuff there. God that we serve is an awesome God. The God that we serve is a God that named the stars. The God that we serve whose voice shakes the earth is the same God who stood as a pillar of fire for his people. The same God whose breath wipes away countless numbers of armies with, this, with a single rebuke has wiped away nations and destroyed nations. And he is the same God that created every flower and every petal and every leaf, and every blade of grass, and every pebble, and every grain of sand in this world. 
The same God that told the ocean, come no further, knows every hair on your head. Somebody say amen. amen. We serve a great God. And just as our God is infinitely wise, just as our God is infinitely present, we know that we serve an infinitely powerful God. And one of the things that I want us to take away from today, especially moving forward into this week as we start our 21 days of prayer, is that as you go out this week, look for God. Look for his creative power. Look for where he is in your life this week and praise him for it. You see, we serve a personal God. So he's always here right next to us. But he is infinite. And we get, to, we get the opportunity to praise him for that. And let me tell you, when you stand in awe of God, it will change your life. One of the things that I started this summer was making sure that I was adoring God more than anything. So in all of my prayers, instead of saying, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, like we all tend to do, I focused on not just saying, thank you, God, for this, and thank you, God, for that, but saying, God, you are the, you are the creator of the universe. You are all-knowing. You were infinitely wise, and you have changed my life. God, you are a healer, you are a deliverer, you are my shepherd. And we praise God for that. And I can, I can tell you this, I've never in my life felt more joy for who God is and the God that takes care of me, takes care of my family, the God that takes care of our church. So as you move forward this week in the 21 days of prayer, I want to look over this, this little sheet right here with you for just a moment. And we're going to be praying together uh, through the week. And here's some things that we're going to pray for. Pray for one person who is not following Jesus. Pray for one big personal need. And we're going to pray for each, each day's prayer theme. Now, I want to focus on number one here when it says how to pray each day. This right here outlines the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples this is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. First, we have a relational, personal God. So let's own that. We get to come with boldness to our God because he is personal and he knows us. And he is always with us and he holds the power of our life in his hands. I would personally love to know that God pretty well. <laughs> And the second one, worship his name. This is the one you should spend most of your time on this week and next week and the next. Spend your time adoring God. Spend your time saying, God, you are amazing. And then you can move on and say, your kingdom come and your will be done. Because God can do that because he has all the power. And you can depend on him for everything. Give us today our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. As we go into prayer today, we're about to go into prayer. Think about that and spend some time praising God for who he is. Know that he is all-knowing 
And because he is all-knowing, he knows us and he knows what is good for us. Spend some time knowing that he is present with us no matter how we feel about it. He is there. And, and know that he is all-powerful. He has the, the power of all of our life in his hand. In all of this world, he can do anything that he wants. So let's praise God together.